appreciate being here. I love you guys. But uh, uh, this morning, I, I've struggled over the last week or two, actually, with what I'm going to teach. And uh, I'm going to teach something that I've taught in past, but it's got a whole different approach to it. And um, I, studying on this, I'll be honest with you, it's affected me on the inside more than anything in 50 years that I've studied on and preached. It's, there's so much different. It's on the challenging the law of disintegration. Challenging the law of disintegration. I've taught this um, throughout the years and different places, but I, I've, I've looked at it differently this time. I see things. I was telling Dean, I said, you know, I, we've always been around, uh, you know, people, and we've heard preachers say this, you know, well, he just preaches current events and stuff like that, and you can't really get any real word out of, out of somebody like that. And I got to thinking, you know, <clears throat> we do live in a situation where we're dealing with stuff. And what does the word say about it? How did we get here? What are we going to do about it? And the law of disintegration, I want to give you a, a, a meaning for the word disintegration. There are several of them, actually. The meaning of disintegration means this. The, uh, one of four or five things it means. The process of losing coherenceness or strength. The twin problems of economic failure and social dis, in disintegration. The process of coming to pieces, the disintegration of infected cells, the process in which a, an, a nucleus of, uh, of other uh, subatomic particles exist, a, uh, exist a, smaller, a smaller particle or divided into smaller particles. So the law of disintegration is a destructive force. And, you know, I remember years ago when I pastored in Springfield, I just moved and took over the church up there. And <clears throat> we lived over, we had a, our churches on the north side of town. And, uh, we had a secretary that um, she went and got the mail and everything. And I didn't even know where the what post office we used. I had no idea. I didn't have a key to it. I, you know, I just let her take care of that. She would get it every morning. But I told her, I talked to her that morning, and I said, I'm going to go get the mail for some reason or another. I, I, I just need to go get it. I need a key, and I don't even know where to go. And So, as usual, a lot of people tell me where to go, and it's what she instructed me. Now, you'll get that later. But she told me where the address was and everything. So I went down there and I found a box and I opened it up. I never, I never had done that before. And uh, I pulled out the mail and there was this one flyer. It was by Dr. James Dobson. I'll never forget. I, I've never really read much about him or anything, but I thought I'm just going to glance through this. And he had two little paragraphs inside this flyer on the law of disintegration. And I thought, that ought to be interesting. And I read it, and I thought, you know, I think I can build on that. And I have built on that over the years to where it's actually, I got a three-part series out of it. But <coughs> the disintegration is uh, uh, an activity that the enemy did and is doing to... Uh, people to the to the church to the uh, to humanity and um, <clears throat> it's been going on ever since Adam and Eve fell when Adam and Eve fell there was a, a downward spiral that began to take place we moved from living in a, a realm of grace and provision about everything everything you'd ever have need of and immediately we went from there to the God of this world system where everything changes and it just 
keeps disintegrating. And it began, we began to, we were here, and all of a sudden we got started going like this. And we're still going like that. The world is. It's a downward spiral. And what, what is the end road here? It, I think most of you understand the end road is uh, that the enemy does not like us. Now, it's not that we are the primary focus. What he really doesn't like and hates is that the Father, God the Father, kicked him out of heaven, Vic's translation, and he, he, he didn't like that at all. Matter of fact, when he attacks you and me, he's really not really interested in you and me. What he's trying to do is get back at God because he, you know, he's really ticked. I had the best music. I did this. I did this. And he wanted to overthrow God, and God said, that's not it. You're out of here. Now, in order to get back at God, he attacks God's image in the earth. That's you and me, his creation. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 25, it's talking about the creation of everything. And God said, it's, it was good. All of that is good. Then in verse number 31, uh, he created man. And then he said to, about man, he said, it is very good. A lot of difference. It's good and it's very good. You are better than the things that he created on this earth. Uh, <clears throat> matter of fact, I'm going to go ahead and say this, but I believe, and I'm not asking you to believe this, but I think if you just ponder it over, you'll see where I'm coming at. I personally believe this. I believe that the earth is a gift to God's people. It's filled with everything you'll ever have need of. There's not one thing that, that's missing. And he, wants, he wanted to give. He said this. He said to the church. He said to the people. He said, here's my gift to you. I want you, this is for you, and it's for your pleasure. Maintain it. Keep it up. Do this and do that. And actually, at that time, there was no, nothing to keep up with. But we'll get into some things here in a little bit. But I, I kept wondering, I kept thinking sometime, and I, I thought, what was it? Why is it that Satan wanted to stop the flow of mankind. Why did he trick Adam and Eve? The moment that they went from being into the garden until into the God of this world system, a whole new program. I believe this, that I believe, and I, again, I'm not asking you to believe this. I just want you to, to listen to it and I personally believe that one of his, his primary goals, not one of his primary goals, but I think his primary goals, if I can destroy mankind, if I can stop mankind, he said, see, you and I were created in the image and likeness of God. Everything, I mean, when he breathed into Adam, everything that was inside of his breath went into us. He didn't filter anything out. It was all whatever was there. That's what you and I, we have that on the inside of us. Well, if God is a creator, and he is, then part of that creation is on the inside of us. We have the ability to create. And if we didn't get stopped, we would, we would do a lot of stuff. And I personally believe that one of the reasons that the enemy really attacked you and I was to get back at God. He said, Vic's translation goes something like this. Uh, Satan told God, he said, so you think you're so hot, you create this? And he said, here's mankind, and they're created in your likeness. I'm going to stop them. And their creative ability stopped. Why did he want that to stop? Because if you can't create, then you're not going anywhere. You and I were born to, be, to create things. We're not trying to be God. I'm not saying that. But the creative nature 
of Almighty God rests on the inside of you and I. <clears throat> we were given, we were created in his image and was given, the, uh, given dominion over everything above, on, and under the earth. We were given that authority. We had that ability. To me, God spoke the earth into existence and then gave it to us as a gift to protect and to upgrade as needed. It's a gift to us. And one of the things that I think has happened, obviously, um, you know, the law of disintegration began to take place and bits and pieces began to, you know, it just began to fall apart. This is a quote from Chris Barharst. This life is the shortest thing we will ever, uh, ever do. While we are not saved by our works, what we do with his work matters. Does that make sense? What we do with his work matters. Joyce Meyer says this. A, a furious, uh, fierce storm of wind arose and the waves kept beating inside the boat, uh, beating into the boat. But Jesus was uh, a, uh, asleep in the stern of the boat and was unafraid. He arose and rebuked the wind. I want you to notice something. Jesus rebuked the wind, not the waves. Most people try to rebuke the waves. That's not where the problems are. The waves are just a response to the wind. And he rebuked the wind and said, peace be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and the waves calmed down. And peace was back in, in place where it was supposed to be. I want you to notice, without the wind and the waves, there was peace. When the wind and the waves come around, there's no peace. I've... I've thought about this a little bit. It's kind of a funny, maybe you'll think it's funny more so than you did the first thing I said. But you know what I found? Um, there's a lot of us that uh, have a lot of wind. And sometimes we're just blowhards. <laughs> Are you? Oh, never mind. It's just, I, just not my trick. I guess I can't do that. But See, there's a lot. How many of you ever ran into a blowhard? <laughs> Don't raise your hand on this, but how many's ever been one? Mm -hmm. what, what happens to wind and blowhards? Destruction. Destruction inside of us, outside of us. There's always destruction where there's wind and waves. How did Jesus calm the storm? He didn't let the storm get inside of him. We were created in his image and in his likeness. We don't have to let the storms that's going on in this, in this world inside of us. We, listen carefully. We, I'm going to say something that a lot of the church doesn't know. We have authority. Where was that? Where did that come from? It came from the breath of God on the inside of us. We have authority. We have authority over, under, and on. Who gave that to us? The Father. Why? Because He is a good God. He wants us to have the authority over all the, all the demonic stuff that's going on. <clears throat> there are times we're full of wind and we create a bigger storm. Whenever we're full of wind and don't know what we're talking about, we create a problem. Does that make sense? Anybody ever created a problem before? I have. You know what I found out? I said, Vic, it's, it's best for you to... If you're going to create a problem, do it personally, privately, and before you ever say anything out in public. 
Sometimes I, I do that pretty good, and sometimes I don't. Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 7, uh, Adam was created as a living soul, or the, the Hebrew says a spirit soul. In other words, Adam <coughs> was created in the image of, and likeness of God. He became a spirit soul. They were together. That, that part of him in, in here, as I use the terminology, in here and this were the same. And it was it, that this part of him was infusing and creating life in this part of him. When man sinned, this part of him fell apart. And all of a sudden, life wasn't like it normally was. Uh, the gift of earth was given, was created for us and for our pleasure. You know, uh, this, this earth, you guys have a beautiful piece of property. I, I really love your property here. It's really pretty. 20 acres, isn't it? This is a gift from God to you. God did this. He had somebody else build the building, so you didn't even have to do that. Did you know what I figured out? There will be things when you begin to believe God for certain things, he will cause things to happen for you and not by you. That's his grace. God wants our soul to be full of life for us to become a living soul. This, this comes by knowing who we are. Why did Satan want to target mankind? Because he wanted to get back at God for kicking him out of heaven. What was Satan's primary goal for humanity? To destroy our ability to create, to stop us. James chapter 4 and verse number 7, uh, uh, interesting verse. Uh, you know, I had never really thought about it in the line that I'm going to say this morning. But James chapter 4 and verse number 7 says, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Do you know what it, it's saying underneath all of that? If you don't resist the devil, he's not going anywhere. Uh, my my uh, Robin's one of her, she's got twin brothers, and one of them said this. He said, if you invite the devil over for supper, he's bringing his pajamas. <laughs> and I thought, that's a good statement. And see, what have, what have we done? I, we're just talking. What have we done? We've invited him to supper. H hello, are you all here? I'm not talking about you and me personally. We as a nation. I, I, there was a church in Florida. It used to be, it was a big church, 10,000 people. 10,000 people. And um, the uh, pastor, uh, there was a, a lady that come in and, you know, had these credentials of intercessory prayer. And I, I'm fine. I'm not against that by any means. Lord knows I'm not against intercessory prayer. But it was such a, 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 a name, recognition that she was good at leading intercessory prayer. And uh, one of the problems was they never checked her out. <laughs> they just took everybody's word for it. Well, when we were there, there was only 1,500 people there. And I asked a question. I said, well, what's up with this? 10,000 and down to 1,500? One of them said this. He said, well... As long as the enemy was on the outside, we could control him. But once the enemy got on the inside, we couldn't control him. Are you all here? And I'm thinking about we as the United States, the greatest nation on earth. 
Seriously. Why did God choose the United States to be the greatest nation? Because of the godly principles that our forefathers have established in their own lives. They didn't chase after money. They didn't chase after stuff. Matter of fact, a lot of them went broke for the principle of creating a nation. And today we've got a lot of them that go into leadership that create a lot of money at doing things that are contrary to principle. Are y'all here? Um, James chapter 4 said that resist the devil and he will flee from you. If you will, whenever they came knocking on our door at the border, they said, hey, listen, we got a good deal for you. Here's some money. And uh, they said, oh, well, we, we, don't, we don't need that. He said, okay, I'm going to add something else to it. And said, okay, well, come on in. Have supper with us. And he said, by the way, he said, this is going to take two or three days. I brought my suitcase with me. And the enemy began to, are you all here? Can you see this? Does this make sense? And the more and the more and the more. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 25 through 26, talking about the, <clears throat> well, I'm just going to read that to you. Second Timothy 2, uh, submit yourselves therefore unto God, resist, no, that's not it, and he will flee for it. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God would preadventure, give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. And the next one is. Is. Oh, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Isn't that interesting? That they may recover themselves. The word themselves is their soulish mind. That they may recover this part of them who has been, who has been taken and captive through a good deal. I'm not against good deals, please. Understand that. But sometimes whenever they... Good deals override principle. We need to say, "No, nah, I'm not interested." Yeah, but you could, you could not, you wouldn't be near as wealthy as you could be if you did. I don't need it that much. I don't need it that much. And he said, "We will recover ourselves." And see, whenever you recover yourself. What he's referring to, you see, you're born again. Your spirit is recreated in the image and likeness of God. But sometimes our head, our heart, our soulish man doesn't know that. And if this is the part that needs to be recovered. It needs to be taken out of the, out of the, the, the jaws of the enemy. And I don't know. I just... I asked the Lord years ago, I said, where's the problem here? If, he, if you allow me to just be really honest with you for a moment, when I go into the prisons, you've heard me say this more than once, I ask, how'd you get here? I asked this first, I said, how many of you were born again before you came to prison? On the average, it's eight out of ten. Not, not always, but more than likely, on the average, it'll be 8 out of 10 were born again before they came to prison. And I said, well, how'd you get here? My religious brain doesn't understand that. You come out of the church and now you're in prison? I asked, 
I said, how are you here? Why are you here? I wouldn't ask him as a silly question. I wanted to know. And they said, we wanted to do right all along. But he said, and as long as we did right, they just patted us on the back and gave us, raised the bar a little bit further. He said, but the moment that we failed, we didn't do it right, we were no good. One minute we was going to heaven, the other minute they said, ah, no, you're not going to make it because you didn't do it right. Or their performance wasn't measured up. Now, if you'll stop and think with me, that's exactly what the devil says to us through religion. He says, your performance doesn't measure up. It's not, God is not going to, not pleased with you. See, that's why Jesus came. He come and he took that part, that thing that we use, uh, that used against us, and he said, listen, I'll cover that. I've got that covered for you. It's my grace and my mercy that has covered that for you. I've paid that price. I'm not going to pay it. It's already been paid. And we, the preacher, we, sometimes we're the problem. I started looking at that, 8 out of 10. I thought, where in the world's the problem at in the first place? I don't know. Maybe it's not prison. I'm not saying that everybody ought to run out and go to prison. I'm not saying that. But maybe that's not where the real problem is at. Are you all still here? By resisting the devil, we are recovering this part of us. How do we do that? When we resist the devil, we're pushing back on him. He's saying, I want to come in. And we're saying, no, get out. You're not coming in. He said, but I've got, I've got this checkbook. He said, well, come on in then. I got the new shiny stuff. I, I like that. Come on. And little by little by little, it's just chipping away at our trust in our provision. Our trust in our provision isn't based on dollars and cents. It's based on what the Father has already done for us. The downward spiral of disintegration. In Genesis chapter 3, verses number 5 through 7, Adam's identity was lost. Adam's identity was lost. Verse number 6, Adam settled for the alternative. Here's something that's real interesting. <clears throat> God has a promise for you and me. And the devil knows that he has a promise for you and me. And so... We're hearing about his promises, and, and we're thinking, oh, I think I'll, I'm going to begin to trust God and with his promise. And the devil comes up in however form, and he says, listen, he said, I got a better deal for you. I, if, if, you'll, if you'll do this, you'll get your promise quicker. And we do that. But it's not quite the promise. We have settled for something less than God's best. Are y'all, you're quiet. Are, are y'all all right? Does this make sense? Verse number seven, this is, this is interesting. Adam's ability to see himself accurately left him under the control of the law of disintegration. Whenever you get all confused about a lot of stuff, what we're looking at is, uh, oh, yeah, but I've, I've got this, and I did this, and, and you know, we're, we're, we've chased that, and we finally caught it. But we forget who we are. We forget the integrity. We forget the character. We forget the promise. We forget the ability... I, uh, you know, that's just not up to par. I'm, I'm going to bypass on that. I'd like to tell you that I've never done that. That's not true. I'd like for you to tell me you've never done it, but I doubt that that's true either. 
How did we get here? We opened the door. Well, I just think he just come in and broke it down. No, he offered us something. He offered us a quick fix. You know what I found out for every quick fix? You get a quick fix, and next thing you know, and you get exactly what you was planning on, and then he slammed you for doing it. The enemy. And we're put under the law of disintegration, of the control of the law of disintegration. Just think with me. You know, we're under a lot of stuff that we can't even dig out of. <laughs> Hello? How did we get there? We invited it. We were invited, and we said, okay. Do you know what we do? I'm not trying to be political. Please, please, don't, don't, don't chase that rabbit. I'm just saying what we've done is that we have given money where it was deceptive. We've done this, and it was deceptive. And we believe, well, I'm helping somebody. Wait a minute. We're given, we've given lots of money to somebody that didn't even go to. <laughs> I, I work with the Native Americans out in, Oza, uh, in Arizona and, and Utah and those places. <laughs> they were given $40 billion for infrastructure. They can't find 20 of it. They have no idea where it's at. We had, a, we had a meeting when Dean was there. We had a meeting with the vice president. You were there with that meeting, wasn't you? Vice President Leiser? I was there, but Oh, you didn't? Okay. Well, we were at a meeting with the vice president of the Navajo Nations. Great guy. Great guy. We asked Bob Yandian, who was sitting in that meeting. He said, so what does it cost to build a two-bedroom house out here that we can help people? With, are you ready? $450,000. Two bedroom house with two, two baths. I thought, wait a minute, how'd we get here? I'm not, I'm just, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just saying things that we're talking about the law of disintegration. Genesis chapter 3, verse 17. The ground began to be cursed. Verse number 18, thorns and thistles began to grow. Verse number 19, man began to die from the inside out. You know what the worst death you can have is dying from the inside out. Dying on the outside, is, if you're a Christian, that's a, that's a good thing. I mean, that's, I'm not telling you to go do that right away. Stay around. But whenever you begin to die from the inside out, you have no purpose to live. Order became disorder. We began to drink from the bottle of pleasure and we began to be consumed by lots of stuff. We, began, we, we, we become intoxicated and subject to the usual rules and patterns of life. You know what the usual rules and patterns of life, the, the definition of the usual of bondage is? It's the usual rules and patterns of life. You and I were designed to step above that. God says, hey, I want to give you this gift. I want this to be given to you for, your, for you and for your pleasure in life. It has Everything that you have need of, if you allow me to just say, uh, you know, kind of give you a little theory on this. The enemy says, or God says, but there is an enemy out there that he's going to chip away at that. And he's, you've got a promise from me. He's going to offer you an alternative if you'll take him up on that. Isaiah, oh, here's another one. You know, whenever you become intoxicated, 
when you become intoxicated by in your mind in spiritual spiritual principles of the of the mind you become easy prey if if uh, you know you got a guy and maybe you know him or you don't know him but he's got a suitcase that's packed full of $100 bills hundreds of thousands of dollars in a suitcase and he's bigger than you and you'd like to have that suitcase, but you're not going to beat him up to get it because he can outbeat you. So what are you going to do? You're going to take him down to the bar, and you're going to buy him drinks. You're going to buy him enough drinks until he becomes intoxicated, and he falls over, and his hand turns loose of that suitcase. What do you do? You just reach down and grab the suitcase and go. Y'all here, I, wave at me, do something. Okay, there's one wave. <laughs> Can I get another one somewhere? Okay. See, we, we, the, we the people, we the church, have become easy prey. We have become intoxicated. Not by principle, but by all the offers that's given. I, I'm not against, I'm not against, please, I'm not against you being blessed. I'm not against you having nice things. I'm not against me having nice I like nice things. You like nice things, and I think you should have them. But somewhere in there, there's a principle. And you didn't create all this stuff. It was a multitude. How many, what have we got, 7 billion people here in the United States? Is that right? How many people? No, not 7 billion. How many people do we have in the United States? Oh, 360, 340 million or something like that. Decisions. Um, you know, here's I was. I was up at three o'clock studying on this. I was down there in the hotel lobby. Nobody around. They saw me down there, and they went and made me a fresh pot of coffee. I'm glad about that. But I sat there and I was pondering this over. I've never been where I was at this morning at 3.30. I've never sat and thought about how we got here like I did this morning. And I wept. I thought, have I created some of this? I'm not trying to be a hard case. I'm not, that's not it at all. I'm just saying we're here because of decisions. Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61. Can you pull that up? You can't? Okay. See if I can pull it up. Isaiah chapter 61, and let's look at verses 3 through 4. Verse number four, and they shall build the old waste, they shall waste, and they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations. Many generations is referring to people. This, and strangers shall stand and feed your flocks, and the sons of the alien shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But ye shall be named the priest of the Lord. Men shall cut, shall call you the ministers of God. Ye shall eat of the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory shall ye boast yourselves. Watch this. For your shame you shall have double. For your confusion they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore in their land they shall possess the double. 
everlasting joy uh, which shall be unto them. This is the promise that God has made for us. This is his promise to the church. And listen, some are living it, and I'm extremely happy. I want that. But see, somewhere in there, we have, instead of them working for us, we're working for them, for the enemy. No, now you can't be saying that. Well, just look at it. Multi-millionaires are selling books? Excuse me. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm getting too deep here. I don't know. I'm about to quit in just a second. Challenging the law of disintegration. America the Great. Why did God choose America to fight this raging battle? Because of our godly principles. Our founding fathers didn't bow their knee to the influence of money or the influence of other stuff. They resisted the enemy and he fled. How did we get here? We didn't resist the voice of the enemy. I know, oh, Vic, you're going a little deep here, but you, are you saying that we didn't have to be here? I am saying that. I'm not saying that, you know, it was an easy task for us not to be here. I'm just saying that when we opened the door for the influence, it spread like wildfire. We didn't resist the voice of the enemy. We wanted to be liked by, how many's ever wanted to be liked by everybody? Anybody? Come on. I'm a high eye personality. You know what high eye personality is like? They want to be friends with everybody. I found out years ago that doesn't work. They want to be liked. There's some decisions that are godly principles that you just say no to. Yeah, but they won't like me. It's okay. Believe me. <laughs> I've been there and done that. I'm actually, you know, one of the things that I asked the Lord one time out of John chapter 8, verse number 31 and 32, he said, that if you continue in my word, you shall be my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And I said, I don't even know what truth means. I was teaching on it. And he told me, he took me to John, or, uh, uh, John, the first chapter, verse number 17. He says, the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came. I began to, I asked him, I said, what's truth? He said, it's my grace. I said, okay, so if truth is grace and grace is truth, what am I going to be set free from? He said, how would you like to be set free from what other people think about you? Anybody ever wanted to be set free from what other people think about them? Just one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I think, yeah, I'd love to be that way. Took a while. But then I asked him, I said, so, and what else? I'll never forget. He said, how would you like to be set free from you? I said, I don't think I'm ready for that yet. Don't, don't raise your hand on this. But how many of you are really, truly interested in being set free from you? <laughs> huh? I mean, it need, how many know what it's needed? But you know what that means? That means that the outside influence doesn't have any effect. 
how did oh, I got that? We wanted to be liked. We we gave our money and our resources to the voice of deception. We're talking about the greatest nation on earth. Let me say it again in a different way. We are the last. Uh, Dean said this yesterday. I, I can't. I may not quote you exactly right. But something like this, we're the last frontier this world has. <laughs> are, are you here? We're it. Now, if you just stop and look, I've traveled all over the world. I've, I've gone through jungles. I've cut down, uh, you know, we drive a car through bumpy roads, and we can't. We drive till we can't. We get out, and we start hiking. And then we get into the brush, and we have a machete knife, and we have leaders, and they cut the trees down, they cut the bushes down, so we can get back here to a, a, a one-room church with a dirt floor and wooden chairs and the, no windows. And you get back there, and you think, whew, we finally made it. And there's people hanging out the windows, can't wait for you to get there. Some of them don't wear clothes. And I'm not talking about just my gender. But they're so hungry for something they've never had. And we have it. We have it. This is the part that breaks my heart. This I'm finding out, this is inside of me at 75. And you, <laughs> you get, go back, and I mean, they give you, they'd give you the shirt off of their back if they had one. America is the last voice of authority to resist the enemy. It's the last voice. I think we're going to, we are going to resist him. I believe that. But what if we didn't? Man, I've never seen this quiet in my life. What if we didn't? I, I'm not a preacher. I, I can't preach worth flip. I don't know whether this is a preaching message or a teaching message. I don't know. But what if we didn't? What if we weren't? What if we were the last voice and we said too much stuff? Well, we wish we had no Slowly but surely, we're stopping the downward spiral of the law of disintegration. I've got a couple, three other things here I want to share with you. We, we have become, we are the salt of the earth. Matthew chapter 5. We're the salt of the earth. Salt has, um, does three things. It destroys it preserves, and it adds flavor to. This, you know, uh, to me, the most bland thing you can eat on the face of this earth is the white of an egg without salt. Why do you, why do you salt an egg? So you kind of enjoy it. I eat an egg every morning. I put salt and pepper on it. If I don't, I can't eat it. Listen. Salt destroys. Wait a minute. We're the salt. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, we, we can't do that. Yeah. We destroy the attacks of the enemy. The salt of the earth. It preserves. What does it do? It preserves the life of people through giving of itself and not only that but it adds flavor to people's lives that are boring 
all. <laughs> this is what salt does. Um, but uh, the problem we face now is that we must look beyond all of the stuff and see God's view and opinion of us. If we don't, if we can't be seen, if we don't know what God's view and opinion of us is, how are we going to tell anybody else? We can't. How are we going to rescue the needy? We're not. How did we get this way? We don't know the God's view and opinion of ourselves. In Romans chapter 3 and verse number, uh, all have sinned and come short of the, where is that? Verse number all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I think it's verse 23. If you look up the word, uh, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, the word glory there means all have sinned and come short of God's view and opinion of them. I got one more thing. I think, yeah. Since the fall of Adam, the law of disintegration has put everything in a downward spiral. Everything that's in a downward spiral needs to be protected and upgraded. You, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of nuts on this. But I used to drive through when I traveled all the, all the time. And I mean, I, somewhere every week across the nation, overseas or whatever... And I'd go through these towns. I, I'd go through St. Louis, driving, driving different parts, and I'd be going through St. Louis. And I'd go right downtown, and I see all these buildings that are falling down. They're being wasted, drug houses and and prostitution places, and all that. And who knows what goes on there? And I'm thinking, the windows are broke, the bricks are falling. Here's my view of that. Here's what I see. I said, if we we could be, we should be able to go in with bulldozers and push that down and, and plant a garden there or something or build up something else. In my my town of Jasper, Missouri, it's a thousand people. Actually, it's in, increased by three hundred since Robert and I graduated from there. But I've had this vision for a long time. I thought. I drive around through town. Oh, that's where they used to live. Oh, my, that house has really fallen to pieces. And you look, well, what happened to that place? And then you look and you said, I can't see the house. It's grown up in this small community. A whole bunch of money. You know what I want to do? <laughs> this is crazy. I want to go in with a whole bunch of money privately, and I want to buy that piece of property. Well, what are you going to do with it? I'm going to have somebody go tear that building down. What are you going to do with it then? I'm going to build another house there that's really nice. And what do I, I don't care if anybody knows. I don't want them to know who it is. I don't care. <laughs> now you're starting to figure out, this guy's nuts. Well, how much is it going to cost? I don't know. Well, how much do you care? I don't care. haven't always been that way. Go to the Navajo Nations. <laughs> we want to build you a house. That will be $450,000. Nah, we can do it less than that. Hmm. Never taught this in my life. Never taught it this way. Don't know why. I guess because I'm familiar with you. You may not have me back, but at least I get my eyes to say what I think here. But our our ability to raise up the old waste places and the desolation. What are we doing when we do that? You know, one of the things that when we raise up the desolation, if we raise up the lives that are wasted, you can drive through any town in America and you can see homeless lives of, of intelligent people whose life, for some reason, has been wasted. And you just drive right on by. 
I'm not, that's not a negative. Please don't think that. That's how we got here. We're the greatest nation on earth. I personally believe we're going to be greater than ever before. I believe that. I don't want to go backwards. I go into the prisons and I'll close with this, I think. One of the, I, I told you this story before, I'm sure, but I was doing a seminar years ago down in Pensacola, Florida at a prison down there. They had about 50 guys in there. I did a two or three day meeting. And I had been <coughs> uh, studying out of Proverbs 18. I just kind of looking at it. And it's uh, that your gift will bring you before great men. And I thought, I, I don't know if I understand that or not. Because a lot of the people that I was around, they would say like this, that your gift will bring you, your, uh, your ability to minister or whatever it was, will bring you before presidents, uh, CEOs, and, and owners of business and so forth, and, you know, the, uh, those that have. And, <coughs> and he said, your gift, and that's, what I, that's the only thing I heard. And that was, I heard that in the church, and I thought, wait a minute, there's got to be more to it than that. I didn't know what it was. I really didn't know. I'm getting tangled up in this thing. And I um, I was right in the middle of the seminar on the second day of it. It was all ready to go to lunch. I was getting hungry myself. I was going to go eat with them. <laughs> you don't do that very often, or you try not to. But the Lord said, I want you to teach them this. I said, I don't know what to teach them. He said, I'll show you. And I said, Lord, I said, I'm right in the middle of a seminar. I said, can it wait? He said, no, it needs to be done right now. I said, I don't know what to say. I'm still trying to find out. He said, you open your mouth and I'll tell you. And I read the scripture. <laughs> I said, now what? He said, Vic, your gift has just brought you before great men. I said, Lord, they're inmates. He said, I don't look at it that way. He said, the greatness is on the inside of them. And when you tell them that, you're I'm challenging the law of disintegration in their life. See, there's greatness inside of you. There's greatness in there. What's Dean and I trying to do? We want that greatness to be pulled from the inside to the outside. Our responsibility is to minister to the greatness that's on the inside of you and pull it out so that it can flourish in your community, in your family, wherever. When I told them 45 or 50 guys, there wasn't a dry eye in the house. They had never in their life heard that. That's, listen carefully, I, I'm not completely saying it absolutely this way, but somewhere in that, it came from the outside. I said, now you're not here. God says they are. The law of disintegration. Tearing apart piece by piece. Let's go build it back. Let's glue it back together if necessary. And build it back. Families. Buildings. Nations. You know, <laughs> I am going to close with this. I'm close that up. I'm closing. When I started really looking at this, 
it was years ago when I realized that 90% of the world is in major poverty. 90% of the world. I've been to those. I've seen some places that they have abundant wealth. You go through the jungles of some of these places, and there's no wealth there. And somebody says, well, if God really cared for those people, he would do something about it. Excuse me. He already has. He's made us the wealthiest nation in the world. Ten or 15 billionaires could, <laughs> they could create the water and the sewer for all of these nations that are, don't even have that. I was in, in uh, Central America one time down on the coast, and I am going to close, I promise you. I was down on the coast, and <laughs> uh, now the guy I was with, he said, now they're going to offer you something to eat. And I said, you'd be careful, you know. I mean, and for some reason, I, because we was going down on the coast, I wore my sunglasses. I'm glad I did, but it wasn't for the right reason. I no more than got there till they come running out of their huts, their dirt floor huts, with a, a cake that they had made and a glass of something that they had. It was pumpkin seed and rice. I'd never had a pumpkin seed and rice drink before. I never had a cake that was so dry that I needed the pumpkin seed and rice. And he said, you need to drink that. And I said, I don't know if I want to. He said, well, find a place where you can get rid of it and don't let them see you. So I was in my sunglasses. I was walking all over the place, and this little gal was chasing me. said, here, here's some more. And I'm thinking, you don't understand. <laughs> I found a place that nobody was there. I, 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 you know, I don't know that I'm... I don't know if I'm glad I did that or I'm ashamed. I don't know. I know that I just wasn't. It, it looked like you just washed the dishes with it. And I thought, hmm, can't hardly wait. And you know what I found? I went back and I looking around there. The septic tank was right over there and the water line was right here. And I'm thinking, I don't know if that's enough distance or not. But that's the way they lived. They, they had never, there were 70-year-old people that had never left that small community. They didn't know that you and I existed. I'm going to quit. We're the greatest nation that ever existed. we got a challenge. The law of disintegration is trying to take us under. I don't want that to happen. I'm going to do whatever I can to stop that. We'll make it. Now, but Vic, it's 11.59. we still got another minute left. We can do it. Thank you for being a part of our lives. We appreciate it. Thank you for this church. Thank you for my friends here. But let's be something, let's be a part of something that's much bigger than these four walls. Amen. Father, I speak to these people. I speak blessings over them. I speak wisdom. I speak releasing the greatness that's on the inside of them. Let them become a part of of changing the world. They can do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Pat, or Dean. Pat, Dean, whoever. Dinner next week. Let's not forget about the dinner next week. We've got sign-up sheet out here. And let your family and friends know. Invite them. Let's, let's have a good time. All right? And listen, folks. Isaac sowed in a famine. Quit looking at what the stock market's doing.
quit looking at what the lumberyard prices are. Quit looking at what this is not the time to be looking. I've never had anything in my hand to ever do anything when it came to the kingdom of God. I always just stepped out and it came. I'm telling you, you cannot. In a time when it was not the time to invest in seed and, in, and go out and sow, Isaac did it and received a huge, remarkable return. Don't look at what you're seeing on the news. Don't look at what you're seeing everywhere. You do what God has put in your heart to do. Amen. And you march and keep marching until you see the harvest. Amen. That's what he's saying here today. Amen. So do what's in your hand. He'll fill them. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Can't hardly wait.